Hi, welcome to the Refuge House Church Podcast. We are so glad that you decided to join us today. Here at the Refuge House, we help people discover their God-given uniqueness through the teaching of God's Word so that they can be empowered to make a difference and impact their world for Christ. So here's what we need you to do. We need you to grab your Bible, your notebook, your pens, and then get ready for a powerful message and see what God is going to do. I believe there are people in your life that probably need this message. So go ahead and share this to them and invite them to be a part of what God is doing today. Thank you and enjoy this week's message. Glory to God. Glory to God. Amen. Hallelujah. Are we done? Okay, these are the books. Then meeting after church, all right. Amen. Uh, next Sunday, we're going, to be, we're going to put some spin on it and make it very interesting. Praise the Lord. All right, so they'll show that again immediately after the message so you can get it on that. Amen. Is that all? All right, today, okay, yeah, I can see. You've never won Agbada before. Today is, uh, <laughs> hallelujah. Amen. All right, it's going to be an interesting time. Amen. All right, Luke chapter 18, everybody. Luke chapter 18, we'll be looking at contending in prayer. Everybody say what that with me. Say contending in prayer. The word contend means to fight. To fight. There is a fight in the place of prayer. Yeah. The Bible says we'll fight a good fight of faith. So the fact that you're born again doesn't mean you don't fight. It's just that you fight a, kind, a different kind of fight. It's called a fight of prayer. A fight of faith. And we'll fight it in the place of prayer. Amen. And Jesus gave us a very powerful illustration on prayer from the book of Luke, which has been our main text in the series to understand why we need to contend in prayer, the things we deal with in the place of prayer. Luke chapter 18 from verse 1. Are we there? He says, And he spake a parable unto them to this end, or for this purpose, that men ought always to pray and not offend. I hope you're looking at your Bible. Luke chapter 8. Listen, can I say this to you? The most important thing in your life is the word of God. The most important thing you can hear, it's the word of God. The most important thing you can see, it's the word of God. The most important thing you can receive, is the word of God. The most important activity is hearing the word of God. Is that clear? Yeah, Jesus made that clear to Martha. So you're troubled about so many things, but your sister has chosen that one thing that cannot be taken. Every other thing can be taken, but the word cannot be taken. Say amen. So let's pay attention to that. He spoke a parable unto them to this end or for this purpose that men ought to always. So the theme of the parable is understanding the word always. Everybody say always. It's not just a parable about prayer. There were several I did. He taught them prayer by principle and by example. But he says, I'm going to share with you a parable that will emphasize why men ought to always to pray. Everybody say always. That word always suggests consistency. You don't break down. Always to pray and not to faith. The word faith means to give up, to give in, to stop pushing in place of prayer. One of the reasons many of us are not receiving 
is because we give up. Yeah, we give up. Give up too early. And Satan wants us to give up. Go to the next, verse 2. And it begins to give us the characters in this parable. Like I told you, this parable is a metaphor for two principal characters. The hindrances we face in prayer that we need to overcome and the believer itself. And they are displayed by two characters. One of the characters is what the Bible calls the unjust judge. The second character is the widow woman. The widow woman is a metaphor for the Christians, while the unjust judge is a metaphor for the hindrances we must deal with and overcome in the place of prayer. Otherwise, we'll fail. And one of the reasons many Christians are having prayer failure is because they give up too early. All right, so verse 2. And there was in the city a judge which feared not God, neither regarded man. And number three, there was a widow. These are the two principal characters in the story. A widow that was in that same city, and she came to him saying, avenge me of my adversary. That word avenge means I want justice. And this judge was the one who was saddled with the responsibility of administering justice. So the Bible didn't tell us exactly what the issues are. But one thing is very clear. The woman needed justice. So he went to the judge, I need justice. Hallelujah. And verse 4 tells us something very interesting. And he would not for a while. That's not surprising. Because the Bible tells you the kind of person he is. He doesn't fear God. And he does not regard man. So he has no respect for man. So he could ignore. He was actually ignoring her. So the Bible tells us he would not for a while. But afterward he said within himself. Though I fear not God nor regard man. Look at verse 5. Yet because this widow. May that become your testimony in Jesus name. This widow troubles me. She bothers me. She will not give up. I will give her. Or I will avenge her. Less by her continual trouble. Or coming. She will do what? She will weary me. I will not hold back. Because if I hold back. This woman will wear me out. When the man comes to work in the morning. She's there. When he's going for lunch. She's there. When he's closing work. She's there. The next day she comes. The woman is there. We don't know how long she did this. It could be one week, it could be one month, it could be several months, it could be up to a year. But one thing was very clear in this story, the woman will not give up. She stood her ground. She was going to stay in that place until she gets the justice that she deserves. One thing is also clear about this one. This woman knew what was her right. Ask your neighbor, do you know your right? Some of you don't know your right. You don't know your right. That's why sometimes they can mess you up because you don't know what your right is. You meet some funny policemen who... Don't know they are right. They don't even know what the law says. They'll quote one thing for you. Then you say, hey, I never heard that before. Then they, because you're afraid, you're panicked, they'll collect something from you because you don't know your right. If you know your right, there's some things they've done to you, they won't do it to you. As a born-again believer, you need to know your right. You need to know your rights and your privilege in Christ or Satan will mess you up big time. There are many things many believers are putting up in their life Thinking is part of God's plan for their life, but the problem is that they are ignorant of who they are and what God has given to them. The Bible says in Daniel that they that do know their God shall be what? Shall be strong and do exploit. So if you don't know your right, you will put up with nonsense and you will tolerate satanic harassment in your life that you've got no business tolerating. The Bible says, give no place to the devil. What does that tell you? He doesn't have a place in your life except you give him. God, by design, if you're born again by design, the way God saved you and built you, Satan has no space in your life. But if you are ignorant, you will give him space. 
Because my people are destroyed for what? Lack of knowledge. Hosea 4, 6. And in Isaiah 5, they said, my people have gone into captivity because they have no knowledge. So if you don't know what belongs to you, you will settle for anything. If you don't know God has given you the inheritance of health, you will accept sickness as part of your affliction. Remember the testimony you were giving right now. Why, why did they say BP was in the family? Because somebody picked it up somewhere in the lineage. And, and because he picked it up, they now believe that it's a family legacy. Did that also? I remember the story in Aquaibom. They were in the barrier burying someone. And, and four men were discussing in the family. They now said, you know, um, you know, everybody get to this age, they die. So they say, okay, now your turn. <laughs> your turn. Say, so you are the next. And the next year, same time, the man died. Until one said, no, I mean, I not do. <laughs> I not do. That thing you are claiming, who gave you? Is it God that gave you? If it's not in the word of God, then it doesn't belong to you. Did you hear what I said? You will settle for nonsense if you don't know your rights. You will. So you must learn to stand your ground if you know. And the only way to know your right is to know what the word of God says. Because the word of God will reveal to you what belongs to you. And this woman knew exactly what belonged to her. And she will not give in. She will not give up until she got what was hers. I remember the woman who was dying in the hospital. She belonged to one of these Orthodox church. I didn't believe that healing was, was provision from God. So she was preparing to die. So she had a vision. In the vision, she saw Jesus coming to take her home. See, listen to me, brothers and sisters. God will deal with you according to the level of your knowledge of him. Do you understand that? If you believe he's not going to heal you, he will honor you. In the first service, we we'll learn something. That when you're born again, you are born again with a powerful mouth. Everybody say powerful mouth. Yeah, what you say becomes. That's what comes to you. Because you're born of God's nature. And God's nature has a powerful mouth. So anything you acknowledge and you say will become the reality over your life. So one day somebody brought a message by Kenny Hagen where he was talking about healing and health as I inheritance. And she said, okay, so I can be healed of this disease. I don't have to die. And she began to believe. And her belief system changed. The moment the belief system said, she had another vision and the hand of Jesus touched her and she was instantly healed. Then when Jesus was going to say, uh, Jesus, excuse me, before you go, I have a question for you. Why was it the first vision I had you wanted to take me home? This second one now, you just touched me. He said, because I deal with you according to your knowledge. The other one, you didn't see me as a healer, so I will carry you home. He said, but now you saw me as a healer. That's why you are healed. Ask your neighbor, do you know your right? Ask your neighbor again, do you know your right? This woman knew her right, and she was not going to allow the devil or anything to take it from her. So this, this unjust judge, remember, I said, look, if I don't answer this woman, she will wear me out. Verse 6, and Jesus said, and the Lord said, hear what the unjust judge says. Everybody say unjust. What does unjust mean? Unjust simply means that he doesn't play fair. Is that not true? Huh? When someone is unjust, it means he doesn't play fair. Because it was fair for him to attend to the woman. It was fair for him to give the woman what was due her. That was fair. But everything about the unjust judge was unjust. That's why it's called, Jesus called him an unjust judge. Because he doesn't play fair. When you don't know who you are, you submit yourself to an unjust system. And the system of this world is unjust. It's not fair. Are you hearing me? Somebody say life is not fair. Depending on which life you are defining. If it's the life of God, it is fair to me. It's fair to you. But if it's natural life, then it's not fair. Are you hearing what I'm saying? If you think some things will just happen because it's you, sorry, it doesn't work like that. 
You need to know what belongs to you and receive it or take it. So Jesus said, hear what is unjust, just said, verse 7. And shall not God avenge his own elect, which cry day and night unto him, though he bear long with them? Verse 8, I tell you, he will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man cometh, shall he find faith on the earth. Now, the major cruise of this parable is verse 7 to verse 8. And interpreting the parable correctly is based on understanding verse 7 and 8. Because if you don't interpret it right, you may have an assault on the nature of God. Because whatever understanding you have that does not reveal clearly to you or accurately to you who God is as a person will affect your believing him. What have you learned about God? Who has taught you about Jesus? What did you learn about him? How do you see him? First of all, I said something. I said the unjust judge in this story is not a metaphor for God. Are you hearing me? All the qualities of the unjust judge does not reflect the nature of God. I've heard people preach and say, you know, you know God is like the unjust judge. First of all, God is not unjust. So there is no way the unjust judge can be God. Do you understand that? The unjust judge is a metaphor for the resistances you and I will deal with in the place of prayer before we receive our manifestation. Say amen. Jesus dealt with that. There are resistances. Adam's transgression has ushered a barrage of challenges, temptations, resistances into life. Jesus acknowledged it in John 16, 3. He said, in this world you shall have what? Tribulation. Tribulation means trouble, trials, tests, challenges. He said, but be of good cheer, I have. I have put a system in place that if you believe me and you are under me, you will overcome the way I same way I've overcome. Say amen. Are you still with me? So the unjust judge is a metaphor for the resistances we face in prayer. Why the widow is a metaphor for the believer in the place of prayer. Now, the, the, this, 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 this issue we need to look at, which we started talking about yesterday, um, last Sunday, and this first service, is that it says, shall not God bear long with them? And I started asking the question, what does it mean to bear long? The word bear long means to persevere or to wait patiently. That word bear long means to delay a bit. Why is God bearing long with us in the place of prayer? How you interpret delay in prayer is important. If your interpretation of delay is wrong, that itself is a delay. Majority of the delays we're having in prayer is because of the way we interpret what we perceive as delay. Or what we perceive as God bearing long with us. And I said something that there is a reason why God bears long with us. God does not bear long with us because he's using the situation to teach us a lesson. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Tell anybody, say God does not use situation to teach. I know some of you have not heard that before. The word of God is the teacher. The word of God is the best teacher, not experience. I've heard people say that experience is the best teacher. That's nonsense. Experience is the harvest of choices that people have made. Do you understand that? It's called experience. What you made yesterday, you are harvesting them. So it cannot be the teacher because if some of the choices you make were wrong, you are already in the harvest of those choices. That's what you call experience. If it's good, good experience. If it's bad, bad experience. But even if it's good, it's not even adequate enough to teach you. Because it's only the word of God that has the wisdom to teach man. 
So what situations are, what challenges mean or reflect or they are, they create an opportunity for you to see your need to learn. And I made two very powerful statements that many of us, because as you process it, God is not delaying because he's fighting through the devil to get the answer to you. No. God has already given you the answer. The delay is how we choose to receive or to, to relate with what God has already given us. Are you still with me? Yes, Tell your neighbor, say the delay, the delay is how you respond. Ask your neighbor, how do you respond to what God has given you? Because for you to respond right, there are hurdles, there are things you must overcome in order for you to have what you believe God has answered. Because once you pray, you don't need to shout 21 days for God to hear you. If you pray in faith, the moment you pray, he hears you. But the manifestation differs from person to person because it depends on how you overcome your own obstacles or the challenges before you to receive what you believe you have. I mean, to have what you believe you have received. And we began to look at what the enemy uses temptation for. What is the purpose of temptation? Go to James chapter 1 verse 2. What is the purpose of the challenges that you are now facing? Because how you process temptation will determine whether you are going to step into your manifestation or you are going to continue to delay. Am, am I making any sense? Somebody say, God is my strength. Say, God is my strength. So we said, are you there? James chapter 1 verse 2. He said, Brethren, can it all joy when you fall into what? Diverse kinds of temptation. So, temptation means test, trouble, trials. You and I will deal with that. Jesus was tempted, so me and you will be tempted. It is part of being in this natural world to be tempted. But the Bible tells us our proper response in the time of temptation. How you choose to respond in temptation will determine how you choose to enter your manifestation. The Bible says the proper response to temptation is to do what? Count it all joy. Hello? I mean, temptation is, all the, all the things that are happening to you, they are against your joy. Yet, the Bible says, you should rejoice. Are you still with me? I mean, the things that are happening are not joyful by nature. They are not making you joyful. But yet, God says, count it all joy. Another way to put it, joy is rejoice. Something that is happening that is not making you happy, God says, rejoice. Why? Go to verse 3. Why do I rejoice? He said, knowing this, this is the reason I rejoice, that the trying of your faith worketh or produces patience. Now, why do I rejoice? God gives us the understanding for rejoicing in temptation. That will determine how you overcome the obstacles to your manifestation. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Are you still with me? Very good. And we said these obstacles we are going to deal with, they are both internal and external. We're going to deal with that later. But for now, we're looking at obstacles as a whole. The Bible tells us, you see, I like the scripture. The scripture has its own way at looking at realities of life. That means the way your experience calls it may not be the way the word of God calls it. Look at verse 3. 
How does the Bible describe temptation? In verse 2, it says, count it all joy when you fall into diverse kinds of what? Is that not so? Then verse 3 says, knowing this, that the trying of your faith. So the Bible calls temptation a what? A trial of faith. Say that again. Say temptation is a trial of faith. So when you are tempted, it is your faith that is being tested. Three things you must never make the mistake for. Temptation, write this down, it's not about you. Say it's not about me. The, the devil wants you to think it's about you, so most of us will go hysterical. We'll try fixing solution, fixing everybody. Temptation is not about you. As long as you think it's about you, Satan will use it against you. Number two, temptation is not about the circumstance. Hello? Hello? Because if it's about you, and all you, no, not, not it's about you. If you think it's about you, if you think it's about the situation, if you think it's about the issue, you will not rejoice. Is that not true? Because most of the time, the things that are going on are not pretty. They're not nice. Maybe you're going through a financial crisis or you're going through a health challenge. Like he mentioned here, a health challenge is going on. And you say, I should rejoice. Why should I rejoice? The man is almost dying. God says, rejoice. Why? Because it's not about you. <laughs> Hello? It's about your faith. Tell the number say temptation is about testing your faith. When the Bible says the trial of your faith, what does that mean? Let me give you an example. Go to 1 John chapter 5. Let's look at what faith is. 1 John chapter 5. I'm going to make a statement about faith and I'm going to explain it. 1 John 5, 4. Go there quickly. We're going to come back to this media. Say what me say faith is believing with my heart Speaking with my mouth what God says in his word. So what is faith? You believe with your heart. When I use the word heart, I'm not talking about your meat. <laughs> I'm talking about your spirit. The born again part of you. You can believe with. The heart refers to your new man. The spirit man that got born again when you got saved. Not your brain. Proverbs 3, 5 says, trust in the Lord with all your heart, not your head. Your head is what possesses your sensory mechanism of five senses. You can't believe God with your head. Because your head depends on natural information. Faith is a spiritual affair. Faith is entirely based on what God says. Whether it's a fact or not. Do you understand what I'm saying? Fact has to do with the natural realm. Faith has to do with the truth of God's word. And in, in the order of things, truth is superior to fact. Are you still with me? So faith is believing with your heart and speaking with your mouth. There are two evidence that you believe. What you say and how you act. Did you hear what I said? What you say and how you act. If you don't say it, that means you don't believe it. If you believe it, you will say it. So faith is believing with your heart and declaring with your mouth what God has said. Now, 1 John chapter 5 verse 4. Read the first statement. For whatsoever is born of God overcomes the word. Stop there. Whatsoever is what? Whatsoever is what? Whatsoever is what? What does it mean to be born again? I mean born of God. It means to be born again. Be born again. The book of Peter says that. Being born not of the corruptible seed, but of the incorruptible by the word of God. So when you got born again and acknowledged Jesus as your Lord, you became born of God. Say that when you say, I'm born of God. Say it three times. Praise God. 
The part of you your parents gave you is your body. Tap your body. Hit here. Say, this is my body. This is Konko. This is not me. This is my house. Just like the clothes you are wearing is not you. Your body is not you. Your body is a cloth. Just that you have to wear it as long as you are in this earth. I'm very sure when some of you close, you will change your clothes. I mean, you will leave your agbada. You'll be an engineer. Is that not so? Ah. But your body is your earth cloth or earth suit. As long as you're on this earth, you will wear it. Okay? But the real you is spiritual because you came from God, who is a spirit. So when he made you in his image and after, it's like you were made a spirit. Now, when, you, when Adam sinned, the spirit of man became dead because of sin. But Jesus came, died on the cross, paid the price, gave his life so that eternal life can be released to men. So when you get born again, John 3, 16 says, uh, for God so loved the world that he did what? Gave his only begotten son that whosoever what? Believes on him will not perish but receive what? Eternal life. So when you got born again, you receive eternal life and that eternal life is Christ. So the moment you're born again, you came alive. A new you was born inside you. First, Second Corinthians 5, someone says, if any man be in Christ, what is he? So new. Say, I'm new. The you in you is different from the you you used to know. But your body is still the same because it's the same earth suit. But don't make the mistake of looking at you through your body. For instance, you may feel pain in your body, but don't say, I am in pain. You are not in pain. You're only feeling pain in your body. For you to say, I am in pain, it means you are allowing the fact to become your reality. Because you're not in pain. Now, let's look at this Bible. For whatsoever is born of God, to be born again, overcomes the world. What does that tell you? That means if you're born again, you are born and over. If you're born again, you are born. Look at the person to you say, do you understand that? Look at the person closely. Are you born again? Then I'm talking to an overcomer. Why are you an overcomer? Because he said it. Is that not in the word? Hello, are you there? Say, I am born overcomer. Okay, let, let, me, let me put it this way. Say, I am an overcomer. Because I was born that way. Why are you an overcomer? Now, if you want to look for facts to support that, you will not find. Especially if you look at your family. Say, in my family, all of them, they are all useless people. Nobody get hurt. Now, let me go to school. Even the school I go, it wasn't easy. I am not talking to your facts. I'm talking to the truth of God's word. God says you are an overcomer. Do you believe it? They say it. What are you? What does an overcomer do? You overcome. So first of all, you have to accept as truth what God said about you. Because that's faith. Say, I am an overcomer. Say it again. Let me ask you a question. In the morning, are you an overcomer? In the afternoon? What of evening? What about when you sleep? Yes. Are you sure? Yes. That means you are 24-7 an overcomer. Yes. Does it change? No. Come on. Does it change? No. Are you only an overcomer in January? No. What of February? Yes. What of March? Yes. What of April? Yes. To December? Yes. So you are an all-time. God, the Bible did not tell you you are only an overcomer for a season or for a period or for a time. You are born that way. So your mind must begin to embrace that, that I am an overcomer. And, and look at what he says. He says, and this is the victory. What is victory? To, the word victory means to win, to succeed, 
to triumph, to overcome. Is that not so? Because the word overcome and victory is the same thing in the Greek. Now, this is the victory. Now, it tells you who you are by nature, by birth. That's why I said, do you know who you are? Because many of you don't know who you are. You are asking God to make you what he has already made you. You are an over. The way God sees you, he has high expectations for you. You are not a weakling. You are not a victim of witchcraft. Are you listening to what I'm saying? You are not a victim of oppression. You are an overcomer by design. Now he tells us how do we engage this overcoming. It? He said, and this is the victory. Come on. That overcomes the world. What is it? What is it? What is it? Okay, so how do I engage my overcomer? Faith is believing with my heart and declaring with my mouth what God has said. Is that not so? So what do I do? How do I release my victory as an overcomer? I believe with my heart and I declare what God has said in his word about me. So I want to ask you a question. Do you believe you are an overcomer? Are you sure? Do you believe it? What if you don't have money in your account? Eh? You see, some of you, you don't know what to say again. What if you don't have money in your account? What if they just sacked you? God forbid, they just sacked you in your office. Are you still an overcomer? Yes, are you sure? Yes, are, you, are, you, are you sure? Yes, eh? Or maybe you just came and you heard the bad news or they rushed somebody into your, uh, somebody that's very close to you to the hospital. Are you still an overcomer? Yes, Why? I was born that way. That's the way God made me. And if I'm going to release that, I will engage my faith. Somebody say amen. amen. So that means even when the devil tries and takes a hit at me, or when all hell, let me borrow some words, all hell breaks loose and everything is happening to the left, right like Job and it doesn't make sense. Does he change the fact of who I am in God? Does he change what God has done for me? Does this change what God can do for me? Does it change what God can do through me? Why? Because what he says is what he says and what he says is what he stands. So when you go through temptation, go back to James. When you go through temptation, Satan comes to test your faith. That situation you're going through is a trial of your faith. Now, now the devil wants to convince you, listen, and this is what he does. Are you listening to me? The devil knows that your faith is your advantage over him. What is your advantage? Say that with me. What is your advantage? Look at the neighbor and say, your faith is your advantage. Your faith means your persuasion in what God says. Will you take a stand with your faith or will you shift your ground? Because temptation is a trial of your faith. Satan understands that as long as you remain standing in faith, a virtue known as patience will grow. You know what patience is? Patience doesn't mean to suffer long. Patience simply means to remain standing in agreement with what God has said about you, irrespective of what is changing around you. Did you hear what I said? Would you still believe that God will supply all your need according to his riches in glory, even if you have two naira fifty kobe in your account? Are you hearing me? But if, if you are a believer who is driven by facts, and if God did with me, if, if God is with me, why is this happening? Look, Pastor, I don't understand. Everything is just going upside down. What is, did God say anything will go upside down? Where did you borrow that language from? Is it from the scripture? 
You borrowed it from your facts. Because according to you, everything is going upside down. Did God say you, you will go upside down? Answer me now. Did he say that? So who do you believe? Whose report do you believe? So patience is remaining constant with your stand and agreement with God, irrespective of what the situation says. I will stand like Paul. I know in whom I have believed. It is that faith that pleases God. Somebody say amen. amen. Because that faith acknowledges that God is and that God is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. So when you go through temptation, Satan wants to attack your faith and he has created a system to counter the faith system. And that system is what is called lost. Everybody say lost. L-U-S-T. Let me explain that. And I'm going to begin to round up. Everybody say lost. When God created the world, there was only one system of operation between God and man. And that system of operation was a faith system. That faith system is based solely and only on what God has said. When God created man and gave man everything and handed the dominion of the earth to man, he said to man, you are permitted to have dominion over the earth. You are permitted to be fruitful, multiply, replenish, subdue, and have dominion. But there is a tree in the middle of that garden. You can eat anything you want, everything. But that tree that is in the middle of the garden, don't touch it. Because the day you do that, you will die. That's all. As long as Adam and Eve kept the terms of engagement between him and God, which was a faith system that was built solely and only on what God said, everything flowed well. Then Satan came to Eve and introduced what is called a lust. This lust is what the Bible calls corruption. It is where your way and my way came from. Hello? Tell anybody say your way. Say your way. Ask anybody, do you have your way? Uh-huh. Your way and my way. It's called our lust. Satan came and said to Eve, say, Eve! Did God say we should not, you shouldn't eat of everything? No, 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 no. God didn't say that. God said we can eat everything. But the, that tree in the middle, we shouldn't touch it. We do, we do, we die. Then Satan now introduced another system. He said, you will not die. That's a different one. God said I will die. This was said I will not die. Okay? He said, because God knows that the day you eat of this tree, you will be like God. Knowing the difference between could Everybody says suggestions. At this level, it was suggestion. The first phase of temptation is suggestions. The suggestion does not mean you will fall. It is an opportunity to stand or to fall. Because when the enemy gives you suggestion, keep in mind, he wants to shift your ground from faith to facts. Are you hearing me? Some of the things that are questioning your faith in God are suggestions of the enemy now. They're trying to test your faith. Are you going to remain standing on what God said or are you going to shift your ground and enter your lust? And the Bible said after Satan finished suggesting, he left. The mistake Eve made was to think on what Satan said. You're getting pregnant. You're about to have a baby. You have some few pains here and there. Then you now hear one story. Everybody say one story. That somebody around your stage, when they get to this side of pregnancy, something will happen. Something will what? That's a suggestion. 
The fact that it happened to somebody doesn't mean it will happen to you. Except you want it to happen to you. Are, are you listening to what I'm saying? At this stage is a suggestion. You either shoot it down. Everybody say shoot it down. Or you buy into it. That suggestion is a lust. It's a corruption. It wants to take you away from the system of faith. Of believing what God says and going after the way you feel. The way you think. The way you want. Why did you think God said in the word, my ways are not your ways. My thoughts are not your thoughts. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. Are you still with me? Yes, sir. So everybody say lost. Second Peter 1 4 says, Lost is the corruption that was introduced into the world. Because humanity, if you put that second, second Peter 1, 4, the reason God created man is for man to become a partaker of the divine nature of God. We're created to live in God and to live from God. Like Paul said in Acts 17, in him we live, we move, and have a I mean, Tell anyone say you were created to reign by the divine. Okay, let me put it. Say you were created to be a partaker of the divine nature. Look at what it says. 2 Peter 1 4. Whereby are given unto us, that's the scriptures, are given unto us great and precious promises that by these you might become what? Partakers of the divine nature. Now, when you are born again, you are born of God's divine nature. Say, I have God's divine nature in me. Say that. Say, I have God's divine nature in me. Now, the word of God or the promises of God are given to you in scripture so you can partake of the divine nature you already possess as a result of salvation. That's why the Bible is given to you. So you don't operate as a natural man. You operate as a spiritual man. Say amen. amen. What is the reason for the scripture? That you might be partakers of the divine nature. For you to operate life through the divine nature. For you to see life through the divine nature. For you to engage life through the divine nature. For you to interact with life through the divine nature. Not human nature. Sin brought man another reality known as human nature. And that's where, where loss comes from. I'm going to deal with that next Sunday. Loss. Having escaped the corruption that is in the world. Through what? So what is the corruption? It's lost. What is loss? My own way of seeing and doing things. There are some of you, you know the reason why the word of God cannot work in your life? You have made up your mind the way you will see some things. Have you heard some men say, look, 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 let me tell you. Once I make up my mind on what I want to do, nothing can change it. Someone say, even God, I didn't say so. But that's what you meant. See, my mind is so strong that if I... Your problem, you know you're lost? Selfishness and pride. And that is what Satan uses to craft his temptation for you. If you have long truth, everybody say long truth. Yes, you have greed. You know what greed is? You are trying to earn things that you've not grown into and you've not walked into. You've not matured into them, but you want it. You want your future today. You finish school today. You want to get a job. You want to build a house in one year. You want to marry in one year. You want to have children in one year. You want to. You will still now. You will still. You will still. That's, you will still. There's no way to do that. You will still. And the devil knows exactly what your lust is. And it will come for you. So when we are tempted, 
Satan wants us to shift our focus of faith from God's system to a lost system. Because God's system is based on the word of God. But what does lost do? Write this down. What is the primary purpose of lost? And I'm going to defend it from what happened in the beginning. What is the purpose of us? Write this down. What is the whole entire emphasis of seeing things my way? Doing things my way. Remember, lust is a weapon that Satan uses to attack our faith. And how does he do that? How does Satan use lust to attack your faith? Write this down. The purpose of lust is to attack our faith. Hmm? Are you ready for this? By attacking our perception of God's love for us. Did you hear what I said? How does Satan attack your faith? He attacks your faith using lust, and lust will attack your... You know what perception is? The way you see things. When I use the word see, I'm not just talking about your ocular vision alone, your, your physical eyeball. I'm talking about the way you interpret things, the way you relate with things, the way you interact with things. Satan wants to alter that perception. Let me ask you a question. If you believe someone loves you, will you question the person? Eh? Will you? They usually say this, natural loyalty is born out of genuine love. But let me ask you a question. If you've started doubting the person's love for you, how many of you know that it's easier for you to succumb to temptation? Once you start questioning the love of someone. How many of you know that? Talk to me now. If a woman believes her husband truly loves him, I mean loves her, I mean she's cool, she's down, she knows my husband loves me. And somebody else begins to make a pass at her. You think the woman will succumb? Answer me now. Because whatever this person wants to give me, my husband is already giving me, he's even giving me better. But if they had a misunderstanding or something happened, or probably there was a delay or something, that for some reason questions that love, it becomes easy for her to second guess and listen to an alternative. Is that not true? Maybe, for instance, the husband is not spending time enough with her. They're not talking. The man just comes, eats, goes to bed, disappears. Then when they want to talk, I'm tired, let me sleep, we'll talk tomorrow. Then they not turn conversation to chat. You know, husband and wife, they not chat. Good morning. They're in the same house. So good morning. How are you? Fine. Are you okay? You don't wake. I'm by your side. Sorry. How are you day? So there's no communication. And, and because of lack of communication, there's breakdown in her perception. Does this man still love me? Once that question enters, she will begin to doubt the man. She starts suspecting. The next thing, a James Bond cop will come. She wants to check the phone. Is he chatting with somebody? Why is he not talking to me? Is it that there's somebody else that's talking to me? There's somebody. This, this, this. Then before you know, he doesn't want you to say, "I your phone. This is your phone." Say, "What did he make?" But now you buy it for me. But she wants to see something. The devil understands this very well. If I can just introduce a lie into Eve's mind about God's love for them, and she believes that. She would doubt God. Those things Satan said was a suggestion to attack 
Eve's perception of God's love for her. The mistake she did was that she didn't shoot down the thoughts. The Bible said, and she saw. That means she took time and began to chew them inside her mind. One of the things you don't do, you don't meditate on a lie. Because if you meditate on a lie, you will be a victim of the lie at the end of the day. Are, are you listening to what I'm saying? You don't beat darkness by studying darkness. You beat darkness by shining the light. So how does lust attack us? Satan will use the temptation you are facing to launch an attack on your perception of God's love for you. He will try to tell you, if God truly loves you and cares for you, why is this thing happening to you? Hello? And if some of you have used the ego side of test, everybody say ego side of testimony. You know, there are some testimony that are not praising God. It's just ego. It's ego tripping. Oh, I just want to give God my levels has changed. You know, things are just working for me. You are not praising God. You are showing off. That's not testimony. Testimony is recognizing the lordship of Christ and his goodness in your life at all times. Attributing the credit to God and God alone. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Testimony is not about you. It's about him. But if Satan can just introduce a thought to you and launch an attack, all of a sudden things, and, and listen, please hear me. We are not, Christianity is not about living according to what you see, what you feel. It's basing your persuasion or your faith in what his word have said. Things will change from time to time. But it doesn't matter how fast they change, your, the word of God concerning you will never change. Just because you're going through a storm does not mean that you are not an overcomer. Are, are you hearing what I'm saying? Once it can arrow something, maybe a contract you were targeting, and you came to church, pastor prayed, laid hand, laid leg, everything, prayed for you, smoke came out of his head and all that, and you now went, pam, you didn't get the job. Uh-uh. Uh-uh. Now, there are many reasons for that, but because of your self-made, you know that some of us, we, did, we will not ask God for his will or ask God for direction. The Holy Ghost may even be one who say, this one is not your job. He say, no matter, I can possess everything. Your greed is not replacing the wisdom of God in your heart. No, God, God said, Spirit, no, my son, this is not your own. No. Say, no, no, no. When I came to this town, let me do this for a round of, I did electrical electronics, communication and giant, most of my classmates. And as usual, when you come out of, I went to photo. When you come out of school, you want to work in the best place. I mean, best. So in my prayer request, I wrote all the oil companies. The way I did my IT, I made it number last. Very last. Everybody wants to work in the big place. Some people were going and some got jobs there because we did very well when we were in school. But I prayed one prayer long ago and I said, God, and he always answered that prayer. I said, whatever is not your purpose in my life, no matter how good it is factually, if it does not relate to me by destiny, don't let it work for me. I prayed it years ago, more than 30 years ago. I'm 51 now. So, uh, I went. Chevron invited me. This one invited me. I'll go, I'll talk. This is good. Nothing. Nobody was calling me. And I, there was nothing I didn't do. Until one day I went back to God. I said, God, what's happening? You know, he answered me. He answered me with a vision. In the vision, he showed me where I did my IT. He said, that's where I want you to go for now. I said, Abba, that one. I don't want that one. I'm the head and not the tail. That one is tail. <laughs> At that point, my lust kicked in. I was resisting the will of God. But I'd already prayed the prayer that gave God permission to intervene. 
no matter what I did, it didn't work out. Finally, I agreed. And when God, the way God so did it, when I agreed, they said I was going to write a test. I saw somebody, I said, he said okay. I said, please, can you give me your materials that they used to prepare? He said, okay. I didn't bring it. I said, go and bring it. He said, okay, give me money. I gave him. He went and brought the, person, the materials for me. I read it. I went to Lagos, sat down. Guess what? What I read is what they brought. Talking about divine setup. I was the person that made the highest. But God told me I was going to be in Port Harcourt. So because I was about the highest, they said the GMD wanted me in Lagos. So I told the HRO guy, I said, it can't happen. He said, what? I said, I'm to be in Port Harcourt. He said, what do you mean? The GMD wants you in Lagos. I said, okay. I didn't talk. Because if God says it, he will do it. He said, also. When they were typing my letter, instead of typing Lagos, the typewriter typed Port Harcourt. I had resumed in Port Harcourt. Then the HR said, oh, well, what are you doing in uh, Port Harcourt? You're supposed to be in Lagos. I said, no. He said, no, now. We signed your letter. And I, said, mm. I said, check it. The guy opened it. It was Port Harcourt. And I said, I don't understand how this will happen, shall But anyway, it don't happen, it don't happen. I said, it don't happen too. And guess what? Not because for any reason. Some of my friends who went to some of the company, the crisis came, and many of them lost their jobs. When they lost their job, me, I was still where I was. Until God told me to resign. The point I want you to understand is this. The will of God is the safest place for you to be. And the first will of God you must know is the scripture. Say amen. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Satan is afraid of this. Because when you stand on the word, Satan is defenseless against you. So he will try to use situation to attack your perception of to question God's love for you. Can I, can I give you some good news? God loves you and God's love has nothing to do with anybody. It has nothing to do with any circumstance. It has nothing to do with any situation. God loves you in the day. He loves you in the night. He loves you in the morning. He loves you in the afternoon and he loves you all time. Say amen. amen. And the Bible says in Galatians 5 verse 6, faith works by love. If you don't believe God loves you completely, you will not believe him. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So what Satan does is use the loss, pam, hit you. Because if I question God's love for me, I will look for an alternative to fix me. Is that also? Oh yes, I will. I will look for an alternative to fix me. And so I want to say this before I round up. Hear this. Never allow the devil to use any circumstance to question God's love for you. Always exercise your faith in the love of God. John says, we have known and believe the love that God has for me. Say with me, rise up on your feet. Say, I have known. Say, I choose to know and believe the love that God has for me. Look at me, everybody. Do you know why you love God? It's because he first loved you. Did you hear what I said? See, the problem with some of us is that we, we think when it comes to love between us and God, we, are the, we didn't start it. If God did not love me and you, we can't love him. So the intensity of your love for God is based on how much you know and believe that he loves you. I want to ask you a question. Do you believe God loves you? There are many of you that, still, as I'm talking to some of you, you're not even sure. You know why you're not sure? Because in 19, or 2015, February to be precise, February 16, something happened to you. And that thing that happened to you has become the new philosophy over your life. That thing so questioned and shook you to your foundation and you began to doubt whether God loves you. You're going to pray today. Say, Father, I receive your love. If you're sitting, please stand up.
Say, Father, I receive your love. Come on, raise your hand up. Except you're kind of baby. Stand up, please. Say, Father, I believe and receive your love today. Open your mouth and say that. Say that. Say, I believe and receive your love for me. Come on, say that. Say, I believe and receive your love for me. I believe and receive your love for me. I believe and receive your love for me. Do you believe God's love for you is constant? Do you believe it? Say, Father, thank you for loving me. Say, I love you because you first loved me. I love you because you first loved me. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for loving me. Now I can believe you with all my heart because I know you love me and your love will never fail me. Glory to God Almighty. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. Lift your hands and begin to thank him in prayer right now. Father, thank you. Glory to God. Blessed be your holy name. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for loving us. We give you praise and we give you glory. Blessed be your name. In Jesus' name. Thank you for joining us today. Your generosity helps us to take this message to the ends of the earth. You can give on our website at www.therefugehousechurchhc.org. So go ahead and click on the link in the description. Remember to subscribe to hear more messages like this.